Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so glad you're with us today. I receive so many emails now from people living all over the world that answering them actually takes a good part of some of my some of my days. I'm amazed at how many people now are discovering and caring about the kinds of things we talk about here. It's exciting and it's satisfying. Most of these emails are gratitude. They just want to say, you know, I agree or a lot of people ask questions and often they ask very good questions. But I also get some emails that are really heartbreaking. The loss of a child to suicide, worry about someone in their lives that's gone so wrong and what can they do, a marriage betrayed, a feeling. This is the one that really gets me. There are some from people who feel that their lives are so completely off track that they never will be able to have a productive life. I, I Not long ago, I think it was just within the last two weeks, I had an email from a man in his 50s who was pretty calm in the email, but he recounted how everything he had ever done going back to childhood has gone, had gone disastrously wrong for his whole life. He said he wanted to kill himself because he couldn't stand to live anymore, but his with his record, he was sure he was going to botch that too. I mean, my heart broke for him. But I'm the wrong, wrong person to try to help someone like him because I had no idea even what to say. Um, I tried to, I sent him, you know, a couple of PDFs of books. I suggested this or that. But when someone says they're not afraid to die, they're only afraid to botch the suicide, you realize that that's somebody that's going to be very hard to help. What do we do about that? Well, I'm not the right person to try to help because my husband tells me I have a happiness gene. I'm happy all the time. I've never known that kind of despair. I can't help. So that's why I'm so glad to have the guest that we have today because I've invited someone to share time with us who actually calls himself a leading love and joy coach. Wow. Elliot Robertson has written a delightful book. I love this book that suggests that that title really fits. His, his book is about how it is that we can say yes to life. And that's something which we all really want and need to do. Elliot has a master's degree in psychology. He begins from the premise that your happiness and joy are really alive inside you. You just haven't found them. He guides you through the journey of releasing false narratives and directing your gaze toward the light, the power, and the unconditional gratitude that he says are within your heart and mind. In short, he shows you how to say yes to life. Elliot says the time has come for us to dance, to sing, to, to join all together in life's great song. The time has come for us to say, I am willing to say yes to who I am. Well, I, one of the things I love about his book is the language is so beautiful. I wanted to quote a good part of it. I'll quote very little because, frankly, we won't have time to do that. But, wow, he just writes beautifully. Elliot, I'm so glad you're with us. Welcome. It's such a joy to be here with you. Thanks so much for inviting me. Now, let's first hear a little of because there's a lot of meat in this book. We're going to just be able to touch on, on it. But let's talk about your history a little bit first. What brought you to study psychology? 
I've always been interested in working with people uh, in ways that are helpful and um, to just be of service. In fact, when I was 20 years old, I was uh, at college and I heard a couple of my acquaintances, a couple of other students, um, they were just saying to each other, I want to heal the world. That one of the ladies said that and the other lady responded, yeah, I want to heal the world too. And it was as if I was struck by lightning. It was just all of a sudden I knew that I didn't want to heal the world. I wanted to uplift people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I knew that that was what, what the energy is for me. That's, that's what it's always been about. And uh, that's been my passion. And I think it may have its roots in my uh, childhood with my mother. I think I may have had a soul contract to be born, to, for her to be my mother, because she was depressed a lot. And she really didn't really know how to say yes to life. She wasn't always in touch with the undercurrent of joy within her. So I think I, that was sort of what may have inspired me to have that passion of uplifting the world. Over the years, I've come to recognize that uplifting the world and healing may be very much intertwined with each other. And I've come to really honor and respect shamans and healers. So I like them both. But for me, the word in my mission statement is uplift. Uplift. Well, so were you ever able to help her? Because you talk a little bit about her in your book. And what astonished me really was that um, I don't think I've ever known anybody that was so unrelievedly unhappy. And were you able to help her? Um, I I think maybe I was. uh, Although the thing is is that I ended up having a passion for just uh, serving the world in general as opposed to just focusing on my relationship with my mother. Uh, So, I mean, really, my relationship with my mother was all about being her son and her being my mother, and it wasn't about service so much. That I have just brought that passion into the world with me in general. One of the things I wonder about is is your growing up. I mean, you, you said that you were you went to college and you sort of heard what other people were saying, and um, but you you did you. Something must have made you say, I've got to try to make everybody happy. How did that, how did that really come out in you? How, how did you, how did you really decide to do that? Because there's a lot you put into putting together your seven principles. Thanks for asking. In my own life, I have also uh, struggled. Not only was my mother having trouble sometimes, but I struggled with happiness also. When I was in my youth, I uh, was really very self-judgmental. And in fact, I thought I was too thin to qualify for uh, a relationship, romantic relationship, for to qualify for going out on dates. So that was pretty harsh to have self-judgment like that, not just my body image, but across the board. I was always working at entry-level jobs that paid peanuts, and I never really thought that I could handle the um, – I didn't. I've always thought I didn't have the competency to do something that was more difficult like my bosses were doing. And so I, I would walk around New York, and I would be really bitter and jealous because I would see people at uh, cafes that I couldn't afford. That was really the soup I was living in for many years. That's fascinating. So, okay, what that tells us, though, is you felt the need to find the keys to happiness for yourself as much as for others. Yes, um, and I have turned the corner. I'm comfortable in my own skin now, and, um, you know, my career has turned a direction. And, yeah, so uh, 
it really was something that I needed as much as my mother or anyone else needed. I love it. That's exactly what I was thinking was probably the case. But so, so how did you come up with these seven keys? What, what made you develop them? You know, in my case, the keys showed up when I was writing the book. I was just initially just writing about saying yes to God, and then I changed the title to say yes to life. And I just ended up putting all of the paragraphs together, and eventually I decided that I would I could focus on a number of things. Uh, I was just as I was molding the clay into uh, some ceramic shape. Uh, it all sort of fell into place, and I had more keys than seven, but I decided to limit it to seven. Good number, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's not too much, like it, not too little, yes. Yeah, it's sort of like it all sort of came to me as I was writing the book. On Seek Reality, we talk a lot about the teachings of Jesus and how really they are the key to spiritual growth, to happiness, to so many things, the, the genuine teachings, not the, not the religion. And one of the things that strikes me about your keys is that some people really don't want anything to do with Christianity. They're quite burned by it. And, but your keys put some of the same principles together in a totally different way, which to me is a very positive way to put together uh, um, a, a, a set of principles for anyone to follow. Because, frankly, everyone, if you're if you're if you don't want to follow Jesus, this is an alternate alternative way to do it. We're going to touch. We won't have time to go into them deeply. We're going to touch on the seven keys, and you'll see what I mean. But none of this is directly. I mean, I, I really. I mean, you 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 talk about some religious figures. You you quote some. Um, saints and people like that, but you really don't go in and, and quote the Gospels the way I would do. Again, this is a different way to look at the same core truths. Oh, I and, so appreciate your pointing that out very much, because for me, I've always had an interspiritual sensibility. I've always um, felt like we all have our own spirituality. When I was 17, I received the book from a friend um, in my own way, which was the title of Alan Watts' autobiography. I don't remember anything from that book except the title in my own way. Uh, Back then, when I was 17, I decided that we could all write our life story or autobiography, and we could all use that as our title in my own way, and we could all have uh, unique... um, you know, life stories, autobiographies, unique relationships with God, unique experiences that are spiritual. We all, there, in other words, there might be seven billion uh, spiritualities or religions <laughs> right. on the planet. That's, that's true. That's true. Well, let's start with the first key. Your first key is say yes to your expansiveness. Now, I didn't know what that meant till I got into it. Talk about saying yes to your expansiveness. Sure. I really feel like that's the one that is the starting point for most of us. The rest of the seven keys really don't have an order. It's not like a recipe where you do step one, step two, step three. Uh, so, um, But with step one, with key one, the first key, say yes to your expansiveness, that might be a good starting point for most of us. For me, it showed up when I noticed that I was being bitter and jealous, when I noticed that I was saying life is unfair Uh, Back when I was living in New York and I was jealous of everyone who had a better job and had more money. 
And then I, so at some point I realized that um, if I just continued to say life is unfair and stuff like that, I would never be able to pursue my passion, my desire to uplift people in the world, which had been with me ever since I was 20. So um, that will just that's really a lot of what saying, saying yes to your expansiveness is about, is about letting go of the blame, the bitterness. Stop saying to life and saying to God, you're being unfair. Uh, that really is the, the entryway into uh, discovering your expansive nature. We, we here would generally call this raising your consciousness vibration away from fear, anger, and all the other negative emotions toward ever more perfect love. And you call it expansiveness, but really it's the same thing. That's part, as I say, many times you say things that, that we would say, but you use different words, but you end up saying the same thing. You, you say patterns that lead to contraction of yourself include thinking negative thoughts, judging, worrying, feeling guilt or shame, fear, feelings of resentment, and feelings of being isolated or alone. Those are all negative feelings. We would say that you need to, we, we need to move past those feelings and into love. But this is, you're saying the same thing. And, and now, when, when, are you counsel people? Is that how you, is that how you help people with, with this, with this uh, information? Or, or how do you do that? Well, first of all, I just want to appreciate uh, your language. I love thinking in terms of lower vibrations and higher vibrations. And a lot of those contraction vibrations that I was talking about, those words would be on the lower vibration part of it. So, um, yeah, we may have, I may talk about contraction and expansion, and you may talk about low and high vibrations. And yeah, 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 I love, I love using different languages. I love looking at things in different ways. However, we can communicate. You were asking me about how do I, um, work with my clients. Yes. And yeah, the thing is, is that I don't really do much in the way of, Counseling. I prefer to just provide exercises to turn the four-week series that someone might sign up for into a four-week workshop with lots of exercises, lots of homework. And if you do your homework every day, it's not a big deal, a lot, a lot of homework, just a few minutes of doing something that might help you get insights. Then you come up with your own insights. And I'm just a witness to you doing the homework that I assign. And we go over the homework. And I just, you know, I'm eager to hear what your insights are. Well, I'm, I'm, what I'm just, what I'm trying to do is think about, I, because this, I think this would work very well. I, I just, it's a new way of looking at this, this whole topic though. So I'll be curious to, after we've talked about what the keys are, to just talk for a minute or two about how people might Start to do this at home. But let's talk about the second key. Say yes to your uniqueness. And this is something which I, and I've also not heard people talk about. And I didn't understand what that meant. But then you're saying there are two kinds of relationships. There's the tamed relationship and the untamed relationship. And a tamed relationship is where we have ties to another person. I've never heard anybody put it that way. But... That's really true. I mean, we, we know a lot of people in our lives, but I, how, you know, we don't really, I think, usually come up with deliberate ways 
to to identify with people, to to be close to people, maybe that we don't see all that often or whatever, and that establishing that kinship tie. Uh, over over ideas or, or over hobbies or even just over trying to understand where they are seems to be very important. And you really talk about it so beautifully. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. Well, first of all, I have to give credit where credit is due. And I learned about how to think in terms of tamed relationships and having ties to other people from St. Saint, uh, Saint Exupery and Antwerp. Antoine Saint-Exupéry is his name. He wrote a book called The Little Prince. And that book has a lot to do with living in the heart. So that's where I got it from. And when we notice our ties to people, what we're really noticing is the bond, the friendship, the nature of the relationship. And when we are experiencing a bond with somebody, we're more apt to notice the uniqueness of that person and to behold the beauty within them and their essence. Do you give people tips on how to do that? Because this is something which I try to help people understand too, that when you get to know another person, even someone that you maybe, um, A Course in Miracles says that everything anyone ever does is either love or a call for love. And you've got, you've got a lot of that sort of feel in all of this. Even someone, you know, that may be gruff or cranky or, you know, move your car, it's in my way or whatever. You, you know, you talk about the fact that what that person is really saying is, um, notice me, understand me, understand my need. Um, uh, there, there, it's a call for love. It's yes. not. It's not somebody to push away. It's someone to appreciate. I understand you must be late for an appointment. Let me move my car right away. That kind of thing. Oh, I so appreciate that. Yes, um, everyone is always in need of being embraced and loved, even when they are ruffling your feathers. That's that's an indication that um, it might be a good idea to take a deep breath and access the compassion within your heart. So you're asking me, um, where do we begin? And the answer to that, for me, is it starts with your relationship with yourself. That's what I found, at least in my own life, on my own spiritual growth journey, is that once you have um, been willing to embrace every voice within you, once you've been able to uh, sit across the table, so to speak, with that part of you, that says, I want things to be this way, not that way. I'm all upset with the way things are right now. And, right. Say, to, yeah, and say to that one, you are entitled. You have every right to be exactly the way you are. I'm not going to ask you to change. You can be that way, and I embrace you, and I love you unconditionally. When you can do that to every part of you, then the way the door is opened for you to be uh, extending compassion to other people. One of the things that um, I, it, it occurred to me as I was reading this uh, book is that there are some of these principles people already have, I think. They, they, they're they internalized. Some of them, though, are things we've never even thought of as important. For example, with, with, with um, this saying yes to your, your uniqueness is – I, and especially when it comes to the fact that we've got to recognize the uniqueness of others and recognize their needs and help them. I mean, you, you talk about the fellow who's, who's someone's yelling at him to move his, his car. The reaction from most people is to be angry. 
that someone else is angry with them for something which, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just natural almost. And learning not to react that way, but instead to recognize the call for love is an extremely important thing. Once, once you have gotten that principle down, so many other things start to fall into place for you too. And I think, and I saw that in what, what you said about this, this key. Um, it's, this is the start of a different way of, 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 of approaching the world. And when you are approaching the world in this new, fresh way, um, the world will approach you differently too. And that's something a lot of people I don't think re- recognize. Oh, that's such an insightful um, perception. Thank you for bringing that up. The thing is, is that I think we are always at a choice point, at a fork in the road, but we may not see that there are two choices, two forks in the road before us. Yes. And partly because we're just so used to the conditioned way in, in which we've always behaved, we're so used to our habits, we just don't recognize that there is a choice before us that we can respond differently. Let's go on to the third key. And by the way, uh, we're, we're just, everyone, we're, we're only sort of touching on the, the surface of each of these keys. They're all chapters to help you go more deeply. But um, the third key is this. It's say yes to the new. Um, and you, you say something which is very insightful. It's important to realize that the opposite of faith is not doubt, and that's true, but in fact, the opposite of faith is certitude. And that's what I have been seeking my entire life. I don't, I, I do faith really poorly. Everything I talk about on Seek Reality, everything I teach is based in a certitude of the same kind of certitude you have that the sun will come up each day. It's hard to get there, but when you're there, you're living at a level of peace that you can never achieve with just faith. But talk about saying yes to the new. Yeah, saying yes to the new is being willing to uh, step outside of your comfort zone, step outside of the routines that you're used to uh, with a level of trust, uh, with a willingness to um, to feel safe uh, and to trust yourself as being able to do things differently, to uh, encounter new uh, experiences that might be coming your way. You say it's saying yes to being free of the past. It's welcoming the possibility of growth. Um, it's 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 a, an inner posture where you can embrace expansiveness. And but how you you talk about taking joy in knowing that we are beauty, truth, and love ever renewed. It's hard to get to that place. Um, Talk about how we can begin to find, once we get freer from the past, and it it should be possible to get free of the past, it seems to me, if we can just recognize that it's not here anymore. Mm -hmm. But, but, but going from there, how do we develop a certitude and a, and a courage about approaching the new? Especially if, like my poor friend the other day who emailed me, if, if we've never had a good experience. Yes. Well, one of the things that can cultivate this ability to see yourself in such a positive way is cultivating self-trust. That's one of the ways in which you can fertilize uh-huh. that, yes. Uh-huh. So if the world is betraying you, you're developing a greater ability to trust your own ability to at least 
do one thing right, do two things right, another thing right, or or understand more deeply. I mean, even if you you feel you're not doing things well, you can appreciate and love other people. And to me, that is the most important thing for us to be doing anyway, right? Yes. And, you know, one of the things that can also help with this is cultivating gratitude. I think that a lot of people who open, who decide they're going to write a gratitude journal sometimes just open the page and think, well, what should I be grateful for? And yeah. ask, yeah, asking yourself what you should be grateful for is not really feeling the gratitude. So for people who struggle to feel the gratitude, I uh, encourage people to start with appreciation. Keep an appreciation journal first. And say things, uh, write down things or say things in the shower like, I appreciate my willingness to learn. I appreciate my heart's capacity to love. I appreciate my love for cats. I appreciate my heart's tenderness, whatever comes to mind. Later on, you can look back at your your, uh, appreciation journal and you can upgrade it to to gratitude. You can uh, go through it and say to yourself, um, I am grateful for my heart's capacity to love. I am grateful for my willingness to learn. I am grateful for my love for cats. One of the things I, because I also recommend that people um, who are who are trying to grow spiritually uh, begin to keep a gratitude journal. But um, what I tell people is this: Look, it's easy to be grateful for for the big things. You know, I'm grateful for the sun. I'm grateful for the ocean. I'm great all all of the big things. But two things: first, you have to write down why. I think why you're grateful for them, what for you in particular is important about the sun, important about the birds, or what, whatever it is that you're grateful for that day. Just every day do one thing that you're grateful for and write down why. But then you never can repeat that one and go at least a couple of months with your gratitude journal because what happens then is the first month's pretty easy. You know, you could be grateful for uh, whatever your favorite food is and all. But when you start to th- be looking for reasons to be grateful for ants, then you you develop an appreciation, a deeper, you begin anyway, you should be in to develop a deeper appreciation for even more things. It opens you to the possibility that, you know, your life is pretty wonderful because all of these things are in your life that are not inherently obviously wonderful, but when you get into what's important and good about them, yes, they are wonderful. So I totally echo what you say about a gratitude journal. I think that it's a very important way to open our hearts. And thank you for introducing me to a new way to approach the gratitude journal. I really do like that, and I might borrow it from you. (laughs) It's free. Enjoy. Enjoy. Thank you. You know, as long as we're talking about gratitude, I'd love to go back just for a moment to the second key of um, saying yes to your uniqueness, because part of saying yes to your uniqueness is saying yes to your unique qualities as a human and also remembering to say yes to the uniqueness of your divine qualities, how nobility shows up for you uniquely. What is it about your magnificence that might be unique to you? Uh, so I really, those are things that can be included in the gratitude journal. That's why I thought of yes. that. Yes, a lot of things about you are things should be that should be on your list. That's why we have to go for at least two months because we have to exhaust all the good things about you too. But I, I do think it helps people feel much better about themselves. So I, I agree with that. That's a wonderful, wonderful tool. So let's go on 
to the fourth key, which is say yes to knowing what you want. Wow, that's a hard one to do. Talk about that. What the emphasis here is, is on knowing what you want, as opposed to um, saying yes to what you want, saying yes to just really knowing what you want. And a lot of the things that I think all of us in the human family as human beings want, or I think we all want a lot of the same things. I think we have a lot in common. For example, I think we all come to the planet with an eagerness to love our fellow humans. Yes, but the reason this one interests me so much is that I hear from a lot of people who feel so eager to do something good with their lives for other people or to just plain do something good with their lives, but they don't know what. And that's stymieing them tremendously and because they feel that that people who have found a purpose, it must just have been there. They picked it up and said, oh, that must be my purpose, and they, they headed out with it. And that's just not the case. Many people are, are full of purpose, but they don't know quite what that purpose is. And what I suggest to people is that they simply give that to God and, and you know, start thanking God for giving them a purpose long before they know what that purpose is because that's, that lets them claim their purpose. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life till I was well into my 60s. So, if, if believe me, if it, it was, I was never worried about it, but I just knew I was supposed to do something. I didn't know what. But your guides are working with you. Your guides will help you figure out what that is. Yes, absolutely. You can always ask your guides for guidance on what your purpose is, for guidance on everything. And the more you do tap into uh, your guide's wisdom, the more you ask for uh, guidance, then the more often it will show up, the easier it will become uh, for you, I think. It's sort of like practicing something. I think in a sense you've got to give yourself permission to to, to know, to, to, to want things, whatever those things are that, that are coming out of your deeper self. Because very often we don't, we're, we're inhibited. We think I should want to be a saint. I should want this or that big thing. But you know, if the, if what you really want from your core to be the be, is to be the best possible cook, do that. If, if what's, whatever, discovering what's in you in terms of a drive is very important, which is why saying yes to knowing what you want is to me a very good core principle. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm glad you said to honor what's the, the core desire, the true desire that's really way down in there. Yes. We do have a lot of whims that show up that aren't necessarily really our true heart's desire. So that's what you need to be going for is just go within and tap into what is it that is really true for you. Yep. And as, as I said, there's a lot more in, in each of these keys than what we're saying. But I, I, what I want you just to do is to sort of understand um, that these are all different ways of approaching the core problem that we all have, which is how can I best live the best possible life, find happiness, and happiness is not, is not superficial. Happiness comes from deep inside you, which is something wonderful, too, that you also point out. So these keys are all different ways to approach that same core, peace, joy, and happiness that are already, um, as, as Elliot points out, inside you. So, okay, here's the fifth key. Say yes to freedom from the past. 
Yes, that is such an important key. And, you know, I focus on saying yes to freedom from the past in terms of letting go of the old beliefs you've had about yourself and letting go of self-images. Maybe when you were 10 years old, you were at a piano recital, you made some mistakes, you were so humiliated and embarrassed. And then uh, maybe the same year, you had a lot of successful things that happened, but maybe you decided that you don't do well under pressure, even though it was just one time out of 10 times that you didn't do well under pressure. Those are the kinds of things that we need to just go within and be willing to release. Um, one of the things you say is that we are set free from the seeming limitations that we see as our limitations when we realize they're distortions of reality, we're set free from our interpretation of the world as harsh and unfair when we burst the bubble of interpretation by simply noticing that it is a bubble. It's just an interpretation of reality. It's not a true representation of what God creates. We also set ourselves free by releasing our opinions about who we are. That's a wonderful, to, to release the, the opinions most of the opinions that you have about yourself are opinions that came from others. They, your parents told you this or that about yourself. Oh, why are you always late? Or, you know, how come you can't get into A? Or, um, uh, you know, you're, you're always the slowest one on the, on, on the team or whatever, whatever. They say these things so inadvertently and they give us for life a sense that we are less in some way or that we are deficient in some way. And those we carry into adulthood, those beliefs. And what you talk about here as freedom from the past is, is I thought, in large part, freedom from these false beliefs about yourself and about the world, which you carried forward from even in some cases when you were very small, because none of that is real. That's right. Yes, and we can become free from all of the things that we've heard from our parents and so on yes. and so forth. It is possible. One of the things that might be helpful for some of you might be uh, just when you are in touch with a negative thought about yourself and you're just struggling with, oh, I'm not good enough to do such and such or whatever. Just ask yourself, does God agree with me? Because you need to give God the final word about who you are. Arguing with God is not a humble thing to do. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But it, but I, I think giving your a lot of this of, of, of the work you do is about giving yourself permission, because we tend to worry about that. I think part of that is coming, frankly, from uh, if if we, if we come from a Christian background. There's a lot of guilt, especially in Catholicism, but I think it's in all of the, the versions of Christianity. There's a lot of guilt there, and we, we tend to feel that we've got to be or think or act in a certain way or else we're less in some fashion. And what you're doing here really with these principles is, to, is telling people that that's just not true, that God not only does God love you just as you are, God created you just as you are. You're supposed to be who you are. This isn't anything that you need to change. You just need to get more in touch with that core who you really are. And, and I love that. I think that's very true. 
Yes, I mean, I think maybe my central message to the entire world, and it does show in this book, it shows up a lot in this book, is please see yourself as God sees you. And you know what? I start with the assumption that God doesn't see anything except for light and love. God is not capable of seeing anything less than glory and magnificence. So we need to put on those lenses when we look at ourselves and when we look at the world. I I think that that's one of the things we're seeing more and more just in the past since the turn of the pre of this century since since the 21st century started we're seeing more and more people coming to realize that the old image we got as children of god and what god wants of us and how disappointed god is in us and original sin and all of that none that's all human made that doesn't have anything to do with the genuine god and instead god loves us perfectly just as we are but we just need to as you point point out with your keys we need to get back to who we are and get rid of all of the falsity that is is making us unhappy uh, and and get down to who we actually are as god created us I so appreciate you you're saying we need to remember who we are and that I'm really hoping that people will find this book uh, an inspiration to appreciating who they are saying yes to who you, they are I I could have named the book say yes to who you are or fall yeah, in love <laughs> fall in love with who you are yes yes yeah there's there's nothing wrong with um well actually that's something we're about to come the fourth degree of love I I don't want to talk about that yet I want to talk, talk about this was the one that I had trouble understanding you the sixth key is to say yes to grief Talk about that because I guess I still don't understand. I mean, as you can imagine in, in the work that I do teaching about the afterlife, I deal with a lot of people in grief and I try to help them. And it's an area which is hard for me because I've never really grieved my whole life long. I've never had to grieve. Um, even when my, my parents die because I, you don't have to grieve when you know they're way better off than you are now. But I, what does say yes to grief? Talk about that. Yeah, well, first of all, I totally appreciate and uh, support you and your experience of how you have been responding to uh, death and how you have noticed that there is a reason to celebrate when people are on the other side of the veil. So I, I don't want to discourage anyone from having any response to death. Uh, and I also think of grief as something that's a little bit more than just death. It, I think of it as being loss of any kind. So if you lose your way of life or whatever, if you lose... Yes. Yeah, it can just be across the board, anything that's loss. So for me, you, you could actually think of this. Uh, it might be easier to get a handle on it if you think of it not so much as saying yes to grief, but saying yes to all of your feelings across the board. And I can give you an analogy that might help you get a hold of it. Okay. Yeah, just think of a think of a beach ball floating on a swimming pool, and you can see all the different colors of the beach ball. You can see um, all of the different feelings on the beach ball. Now, notice it's one beach ball, which means that it's one system of feeling. It's one feeling nature. It's one unit, and then it has lots of different feelings in it. So if you push the beach ball underneath the surface of the water, you're pushing your entire system of feeling feelings underneath the water, the whole beach ball, and you can't really be selective about it. 
So basically, the whole point of that chapter, in a nutshell, is the whole point of that key is just to feel all of your feelings 100%. Do not repress any feelings. Let them flow through you. Dance with the feelings that show up and go with the choreography throughout the day. Otherwise, if you just end up selecting some feelings that you want to get rid of, say anger, you decide that that's not appealing, you don't want to have any of that, and you push the beach ball down, you're also going to miss out on the joy and happiness. Okay, so what we're really saying is say yes to your negative feelings because that will allow you to recognize them and and push and not push them away, but 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 live through them probably and get beyond them so that you can find the joy that's beyond them. That's another way to look at it, yes. I just encourage everyone to let every feeling that arises be felt and experienced and, you know, have its moment and then go on to whatever shows up next. All of this really, when, when we think about it, is about undoing harm which has happened in our early lives, and, and we didn't even recognize it as harm. We accepted it as part of ourselves. And it's sort of like curating all of the things that, is, that have happened to us and choosing to live from, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> it's, about, it's about recognizing the, the, it, all of the experiences that we've had, some bad, some good, and curating them and making, making so that we can keep the things that are important from from our past, because a lot of things have have helped us grow, but we can get rid of the things from our past or from uh, our childhood that are not helping us to feel good now. Um, That was what I think I saw happening a lot with your keys, because you really draw people through uh, the experience of being who they are in a deeper way and, and in a different way, so they'll look at it not as something they need to worry about or feel nervous about being near, but these are feelings which which are honestly there, which they can curate. They can decide whether they're going to keep them or what they're going to, how they're going to, you know, make their life more positive. I'm not saying as well as I'd like to, but do you see what I'm saying? It's, this is a kind of, I think, an important exercise for everyone to go through as at some point in our adulthood, and and just. Um, Make a new you who is really the true you. Yes, indeed. Uh, In a way, the whole book is about healing your relationship with yourself. And that's the good starting point. From there, the compassion and love and, and good relationships can more easily flow over into other relationships. And yes, uh, what you're talking about, I think, is um, being a parent to the inner child. Yes, and, that's yeah, true. Yes, yeah, yes. that's how we can heal our uh, relationship with ourselves is through being the parent who is available and who listens and honors and respects whatever the inner child's experience is. In fact, with each and every key, I do include a very short, simple, one-page exercise. So for those who want to read the book slowly and do the exercises, that might make the reading experience even a little bit uh, deeper because the exercises are a chance to engage with that inner child and be there in a loving way for that inner child. It's very common for people who have been hurt, and, and I think you can't, you can't get through life without being hurt, but it's common for people to become very self-protective, 
to sort of huddle uh, uh, and, and feed the ego because it makes them feel better and not be willing to engage whatever has hurt them. And what you're doing is giving people gentler ways to engage those wounds and and heal them from the inside without having to feel defensive about them. Yeah. I mean, you, you are someone wrote a book. Uh, what I'm okay, you're okay, or something. But you're basically, in a very deep way, telling people that they're okay, and helping them to learn that for themselves, uh, as opposed to just uh, glossing over things, but just to heal the wounds and. To me, that is very, very important because a lot of people, that's what their primary problem is in life. That's why they're angry. That's why they have, um, you know, their people don't like them. They don't seem very nice because they're really, they're really protecting themselves, protecting areas that feel wounded. Mm, I appreciate that. I feel like my book might sort of have two prongs, you might say, or two levels, because there is uh, an opportunity when you read the book to be a better parent to your inner child, to show up for your inner child, and to just let your inner child know, to sort of prove to your inner child that you are a trustworthy parent, that you do care about them. Just extend that message, I care about you, to the inner child in all these different keys, in all these different ways. So that's one way that the the book can be helpful. The other prong or the other level of the book is that I want to remind people that we are more than just the human self. We are also a divine creature. A lot of people, I I think a lot of people tend to forget that. We might sort of know it in our mind, but do we really know it in our hearts and our body? Do we really live from the place of divinity? Do we feel comfortable looking at the mirror and saying, I am a glorious, magnificent person. I am like a sun, a light of light, a light of sun ray light from the sun who is just like the sun. Well, that's a yes. That's a very good point. It's something that um, I think it's most people don't think about that. Most people think about a material world that they've got to get through somehow. And this is these as I and I want to stress again that although um, Elliot talks about what some saints say, um, he doesn't. Uh, he, this is not really based in religion, and it's really not based in the teachings of Jesus. So it's a fresh way to look at a lot of these things. And the seventh key is. Say yes to happiness and joy. I love this one. Um, you, you, you say happiness is fleeting. The undercurrent of joy is eternal. I think some people naturally have a higher set point of joy. And I realized I've long ago come to understand I'm one of those people. I'm very, very blessed in that. But it's, it's, not, it's accessible, I think, to everyone. Uh, it's just something that we have to... It's sort of like buried for a lot of people, and we've just got to get rid of the garbage that's in the way so that we can expose the joy, and then we can be happy all the time. You quote St. Bernard. Now, I always thought of St. Bernard as a dog, but I guess he was also a saint, right? And he wrote about four degrees of love. Talk about that. Sure. The highest uh, form of love is loving yourself. For the sake of God, or you might want to say loving yourself for the sake of the universe. Because when you love yourself, you send out a high vibe to the entire cosmos, and you end up uplifting and healing the entire world. Well, that's a lovely thought. 
Another way we might look at that is once you're once you're you're vibrating high enough, and we we talk about a lot, we talk here a lot about raising our consciousness vibration toward love. Once you're vibrating high enough, because there's really only one mind, all our minds are part of that one mind. We are meaningfully elevating the 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 minds of everyone else in the universe. All every person's mind is attached to everyone else's mind. We can help, materially help to elevate the consciousness of the world uh, by elevating our own consciousness. You just said the same thing in a different way. It's really great. That's one thing I like about this um, because you just approach it differently. And we, some people this are, will really resonate with this, whereas they'll think what I'm saying is woo-woo maybe and it and it'll leave them cold. But this is something that I think many people will really respond to. Oh, thank you. I, I hope so. So we're, and we're coming to the end of our time, believe it or not. How can people learn more? You have a website called yes. SayYesToLifeBook.com, right? I'll put that on the on the materials, everyone. Yes, that's the best way to find out more about the book, to get in touch with me. In fact, when you go there, there is a, a little checkbox that you can, a little button that you can click on. If you'd like to get a 15-minute uh, guided visualization from me, as well as a few pages from the book as a PDF, and that little package is available for no charge. So feel free, even if you're not interested in the book, to go to www.sayyeslifebook.com and get your free gift. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being part of our day. Again, we've been talking with Elliot Robertson. He has a truly delightful little book that advises us to do what every one of us should be doing, which is Say Yes to Life. It's called Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within which is what we all want to do. Elliot says his book, and this is another thing. I, there's so many things I wanted to quote in his book. He says his book is for those who long for the day when corruption will be replaced by the blossoming of goodness. It's written for those who want to see the flourishing of kindness throughout the world through systems of commerce, governance, and medicine. Wouldn't you love to see that? This book is written for those who trust that a benevolence is at the helm of humanity's ship, even when the seas are choppy and storms rage. It's written for those who long to accept the presence of divinity within them. And for those who take joy in considering what their experience in the world might be like if they were to become more intimate with the inner knower. I think that sounds like everybody I have ever known. We all want that deeper living, that that ability to access more of who we are and of what is available for us in the greater reality. And I think his book is a very helpful way for many people to do that. It's it's kind of the gospel teachings gently and powerfully reimagined for today. Um, it's a gateway to much deeper and more exalted living. I think say yes to life is really going to help a lot of people. I'm surprised that you sort of just sat down and wrote it. But, you know, you were probably channeling your guides, which is what we, we tend to do if we're um, – uh, if, if, if suddenly we feel inspired, we sit down, we write, and there's a book. That's sort of the way what happens to me, too. I can't write on my own. I've got to wait till they're there. So I see the work of your guides in this, Elliot, very much. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate everything you're, you're doing for, for the world, and, and I appreciate all of your kindness. Thank you, dear. 
This has been Seek Reality, everyone, with Roberta Grimes, and I'm really glad you could be with us today. Please don't ever forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get what that means, I say this every week, but it's true. When you really understand that you are eternal and it's impossible for you ever to die, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, we will be talking with psychic medium Mark Anthony, who will be here for the fourth time. You know, part of the fun of my teaching and speaking at conferences over the past decade has been meeting a lot of people who are working in one aspect or another of what is really a gigantic field of study. Mark is someone I've known for a number of years, and I've shared a number of meals with him, lunch or dinner at conferences, and we talk about, you know, we talk shop, basically. He's a very good medium, but he's also someone who's interested in the broader field of afterlife research. And frankly, most mediums don't seem to be interested in any of that. Um, I told him it had been almost three years since he was last with us on Seek Reality. And so we talked about what we could talk about together next week. And what we're going to talk about are two things that we haven't talked about much here. We're going to talk about shared death experiences, which are an important new field, and also the scientific basis of communications between the living and the dead. I don't know what he's going to say there. That's an area where no one's talked before, so I'm excited about that. So next week we're going to have our friend, the noted medium Mark Anthony here, and join us. Now, as you all know, my I have nonfiction books too. They're Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, all the fun books. And the fun of beating Jesus for young children, I, we have the, the illustrations done. I've got to write the fun of growing with Jesus, which will be about when, when a child loses a pet. All of my books are available through bookstores or on Amazon, and the adult books are also available as audio books. If you ever want to talk about any of my books or really about anything at all, you can always contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer every question. Of course, past episodes of Secret Reality are available just about everywhere. WebTalkRadio.net, RealRevolutionRadio.com, and a lot of other places. DreamVision 7 Radio will has several radio stations which will use our episodes six or nine months after they were first uh, uh, published, which I, really surprises me that so many people are still interested in them. Or the Seek Reality app, which is available in the iTunes store um, for free, is an easy way for you to get our episodes. So please do uh, let me know if I can help you in any way. I am here to help. That's the whole reason I'm here. And if we can get, get you to the point where you know, really know and love the truth, um, then my life is worthwhile. Meanwhile, though, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy, please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular, in the whole universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.